Welcome to the second Belgium World Recap episode from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Hamstone, and joining me once again is Gilles DeCosta's best of friend, the Canadian who would know instantly if he kissed a Mexican who he'd never met, Logan Saunders. <laughs> good evening. Good morning, indeed. I'm saying good morning because it's far too early. 6.30, right? Yeah, it's just after half six in the morning, and I'm trying to be very quiet because my granddad's on the other side of that wall. Oh, your granddad's in town. He is, which uh, complicates things slightly. Ah. Makes for more fun, I guess, but it's uh, it complicates things slightly when he's in the room next door. Oh, I thought he'd be up reading a newspaper or something. Nah, it's way too early for him yet. Everyone in my house, me and my parents are all up by about six o'clock. Yeah, not in this house. So, previously everyone woke up in a Mexican grave, Katrina and Pascal gave up, Baha and Chani caught some chickens, Yoka won an advantage, and it was Kelly who got the first red screen. And all of our predictions as to what would happen this week, in terms of what would be up for grabs, all ended up being somewhat correct. Yeah, we weren't far from the truth. We picked up on the hints, we just didn't know how it all uh, meshed together. Yeah, we sort of jokingly guessed that she'd be playing for Yokers, as they call them in, in Holland, but it's uh, past Fragen here, as as friend of the podcast Bindles pointed out to me. I prefer Yokers. I mean, that's a bit of a... It's a, it's a huge tease to call it a past Fragen in uh, Belgian Mall, because, I mean, all Joker had to be was a Dutch citizen, and it would be Joker playing for Yokers, but, I mean, how many contestants are they going to cast with the name Joker? We're never going to have this opportunity again, and Belgian Mall just completely blew it. They could have just renamed it Joker. It ruins everything. Yeah. What the hell, guy? And she camped out the night before, and apparently, according to the note that we actually saw on the screen, and Gilles read out, although it was slightly different, uh, she's a fugitive from Sunrise and gets a paintball mask and a branding iron in the morning. That's what I want to wake up to every morning. Branding iron and a paintball mask. You don't know what you're quite getting yourself into. Yeah, as soon as the note appeared on the screen, I did screenshot it just to make sure there weren't any hints in it. I don't think there were. There was only one word that Gilles changed, which was, uh, instead of candidate, he said uh, Yoka in the uh, the intro. But I was wary. They probably just had that pre-existing uh, template before they knew who would end up with the cliffhanger. Yeah, th- I think it started with best candidate, and then he uh, changed it to best of Yoka. Hmm. And in the first challenge, the other eight must catch Yoka before she gets to a hacienda 10 kilometers away from her start point, and she gets a 15-minute lead. Along the way, she can use her branding iron to claim up to 20 Passfragen. The others are split amongst a pickup truck, a helicopter, and some horses, and they each have a paintball gun and have one branding iron between them to share. Each disc branded with a Euro sign by them not only stops Yoka getting it as a Passfraga, but adds 200 Euros to the pot, assuming it is in the jar at the Hacienda before Yoka is shot. That landscape for the challenge just looks straight out of an old-school western. I was expecting everybody to be looking for the treasure to the Sierra Madre as opposed to Yoker. I just love that they managed to actually do the wanted poster and everything. It was awesome. Yeah, that's so, that's so cool. I meant to say this last week, but the reason that I like Belgian Mole compared to Dutch Mole, I love both but I like Belgian Mole, is because it feels more like a travel log that also features the game rather than being more about the game. And it has ostriches. Do you know how pissed I am, though, that they made the three people ride horses instead of ostriches? 
Can you imagine if ostriches were an option in the um, the bring an animal with you to the pit stop, like in 26? Oh, in Amazing Race 26? I think uh, Mike and Rochelle would still... Somehow Mike would still get a kick to the groin by an ostrich as opposed to the zebra, I think. Oh, it's the only way to make that better. <laughs> so it's basically a classic mole game of find the fugitive before they win something cool, but done up like an old western. It's awesome. Yeah, however, I will say that once you see how long it takes to um, use the branding iron on the the past froggins, um, that it becomes clear that the person doesn't really stand that much of a chance of reaching the finish line unless they're a really good long-distance runner. Or they're a good negotiator. Yes, one of the two. I think Yoker actually had a very good tactic here of make sure she gets some first, and then try and negotiate. Because that's kind of what Jill was hinting at in, in the intro to the other people. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was set up as if that the person who was on their own didn't real stood very low percentage of reaching the finish line unless they had some sort of inside help. Yeah. Which is why I think there was also an extra horse. If you notice, there were four horses as well. Oh, I yeah, I didn't pick up on that. So Pascal says that she wants to cut off all the roots, and on the horses it's Peter, Steve, and Baha, and they have the branding iron. On the truck it's Lloyd, Katrina, and Jeffrey, and what a match they were. And in the helicopter it's Pascal and Chani, and they only have 20 minutes of fuel, and must land at the Hacienda in that 20 minutes. That's the thing, like, you may be able to, like, outrun the pickup truck that keeps going down the wrong roads or gets stuck somehow. But 20 minutes of fuel is a lot for a helicopter. There's no way you outrun a helicopter. You're going to get found. Although they did um, they did actually manage to completely lose her in the end. Because they had to turn off. Right, yeah. When they ran out of fuel. But they had a really good idea of where to look for her. I was waiting for, like, if the fuel ran out of the helicopter. If... They just didn't pay attention to how many minutes it had been, and the helicopter would just fall out of the sky. Something tells me that there wasn't only 20 minutes fuel in that helicopter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there might have been the producers just started panicking, trying to hint towards Chandy and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Pascal. <laughs> there's, there's only 20 minutes of fuel. It's 19 minutes. We can't find a spot to land. Down to seven suspects we go. I also suspected there may have been some hints in the uh, in the place names, but I don't think there were. I was on proper hint watch this week of just going, is that going to be a hint? Are you going to hide something in those place names that you're showing? But Sierra Blanco and uh, was the other one we found out about um, El Varal are both definitely places. Yeah, I was suspicious. Baja really controlled. Uh... Prior to the start of the challenge, he really wanted to take charge as to which mode of transportation would be assigned to what role. And then he assigned himself to do the horses and said, by the way, I'm not going to gallop, I'm going to go pretty slow. Yeah, I sort of didn't get the point of having the horses, because they seem to stick to the, the roads, which isn't the point of having the horses. The point of having the horses would be to go cross-country, I would assume, and gallop a lot. And they didn't gallop whatsoever. They no. went really slow to the point that everyone else was in that standoff with Yoker. And they're like, yeah, we're just using the old Bunsen burner. It's going to be another five minutes until uh, <clears throat> we get a few more. Because they had to de- deposit in the jar 
at the Hacienda, right? Yeah, they had to put any that they had branded, they had to put in the Hacienda's jar before Yoka got shot to earn the money. Yeah, do you know how long that would have taken? They were just at that first spot uh, burning things up. Perhaps someone was sabotaging. Yes, that's... <laughs> that's all... <laughs> the what? Somebody sabotages something on in the mall, Michael? I thought they were all just working together and they were truly trying their best. And this challenge just went very, very wrong for everybody. I know it may shock you, but my mole is in that team. <laughs> Something we do have to mention is the fact that Dan Peake from Bothers Bar has yet again done a suspect list, and Logan and I have both entered it. I have a terrible record with the suspect list, including losing in a bullshit twist a few years ago. But um, Logan did not put any points onto Steve. No. Who I campaigned for last week, and I put 60 points on. Out of a hundred, does it update each week? Yeah, so every week you get um, you get another hundred points to spend. Oh, okay, I've not done mine yet because I was waiting for the podcast. A lot of like how this challenge goes down surrounds uh, Baja though, and he's even arguing on the walkie-talkie with the people in the pickup truck. Granted, the people in the pickup truck had a were just terrible right from the start. They were a mess. Like Lloyd was deliberately causing trouble anyway. But then you had Katrine, who just has loose lips if she isn't mulling. And you have Jeffrey, who just really, really wanted to shoot her. <laughs> he just wanted to fire a gun. He was obsessed with shooting Yoko and trying to make sure she didn't win anything. And that is not the correct attitude to take in that sort of game. I think the American Second Amendment Award goes to Jeffrey in this challenge. I meant to mention it last week, but Jeffrey's probably my least favourite person in the cast, because I just think he's a little bit too abrasive. Yeah, he was just like, I just, we just have to shoot her. I don't care about the money. I don't want anything. I just want to go up there and go, blah, 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 blah. Like, he would just, he would be a, if he was born in Russia, he probably would have been part of the KGB. Or, and if he's in the States, the NR, he would definitely be rivaling Charleston Heston for the spot as the president of the NRA. He's a pretty gun crazy guy, it seems. Let's just be thankful that it was paintballs instead of bullets for Joker. <laughs> and Katrine was just wanting to completely switch up who was going for money and who was going for Yoker. As soon as the challenge started, and Baja said, you just went against every agreement we had. See, I thought that was more light. It certainly appeared to be more light. Katrine was the one who had the walkie-talkie and, uh, and said that they'd found Yoker, and then refused to tell anyone else anything. And then they started calling Baja a jackass for not giving them the iron at all. <laughs> when Baja just wants to stick to every, just to the plan that they unanimously agreed upon. Sure, it was his idea, but everyone went along with it even before the challenge started. You can't just you can't go in with a plan of attack, and then abandon it two seconds in when you haven't even tried to execute it yet. I could see like after you try it for about ten or fifteen minutes and be like, okay, this may have not been the best. Can we? Can we talk about switching this up? This was like two seconds in. They're like, um, Baja, can we, can we, can we have the branding iron, please? I get why the horse team had the branding iron because they were the least likely to actually, you know, catch Yoka. But I don't get the point of having the horse team necessarily unless they were going to go off road. In case like Yoka tries to like hide in the bushes or something. Yeah, because that would be my assumption as to why they had the horses was the ability for them to then go off-road and not necessarily go too off-road, but have the option to. Whereas they really didn't. They just stuck to the 
paths that they were given. And it's almost like they agreed to do that because someone was moling and knew it was the best way to not win money. Yes, I agree. Going back to the coffin argument of where you would want to be, in this game, the mole wants Yoka shot early or wants to make sure that whoever goes for the money is slower than Yoka. That's the two important things for them. They don't care about anything else. And they pitched a perfect game. I know the baseball challenge isn't for a while, but they really pitched a perfect game in this challenge because I don't think it could have gone much worse than this. No. Other than, let's say, the helicopter team not being able to spot Yoker. The Mole played a perfect game on this one. And it makes sense that this was worth a lot of money. But they... I don't know who it is, but they did very well to convince the team to make sure that the Branding Iron was with the slowest team. Mm-hmm. And that, potentially, Yoka got shot early. I don't think it's Jeffrey, but I think someone was in his ear going, we need to make sure that she doesn't get an exemption. We need to make sure she doesn't get an exemption. And it seemed like Katrine was really pushing for Yoker to be shot. Like, I know we're skipping ahead to the end of the challenge there, but... When they're like, "Oh, don't tell anybody else that that we that we're with Yoker right now," and Katrine's the one that blows the whistle on it, and they're like, "Well, Katrine, you just told everybody else about that we're with Yoker, so we have to shoot her now." Yeah. And then they were also arguing over the over uh, which directions to go into while driving the pickup truck. Truck, like they were backing up and and uh, constantly switching their route too between the three of them, and then the, the three of them couldn't agree on exactly what to do. Like they couldn't have a, they couldn't have a, well thought out conversation, which is why I think nobody properly properly listened to Yoker's proposal to try and earn some money or even the any of the Aspragans is because they were in such disarray that the first idea of just shooting Yoker is what they ended up doing anyway. Yeah, there's definitely something fishy about that pickup team for me. Not fishy enough to switch my main suspicion off Steve, but. That's definitely somewhat fishy because it sounded like someone sabotaged the walkie-talkie as well. When Chani was on the walkie-talkie at the start of the helicopter going up, it didn't sound like the messages were getting through to the pickup team. They were definitely getting through to the horse team, but they were not getting through to that pickup team. There was yeah. just there was something fishy, and it's it's making me suspect Katrine a lot more. I only put five points on Katrine last week, but it's making me suspect her a lot more. Both tasks this week, she was very suspicious, and she re- I really took notice of her this week. It's funny, because leading up to the execution, Katrine was probably the one who had the biggest uh, change in my suspect list, as well as Chani, just in opposite directions. I even wrote down saying, oh, Chani didn't do anything suspicious at all whatsoever this episode, and then sure enough, she gets executed. Yes, Steve and Katrine are definitely going to get the most points from me, and Katrine was my second suspect preseason as well, which makes it even better for me if I have spotted her correctly. Mm-hmm. But they're definitely going to get the most points between them. I'm really itching with her, especially. What if the mole is Joker? Like, if you are in that spot, how would you be trying to sabotage that challenge? You really can't, can you? No, I was thinking about this last night. The mole wouldn't want to be in that position because you wouldn't want to be isolated from group conversation for a day, if nothing else. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to really manipulate those early bonds because a lot of the moles like to uh, have alliances with at least one person in the group. Yeah, the issue 
with that idea, though, is that it might help if she gets information about upcoming games and how to sabotage them. But she didn't sabotage the second game. Right. The second game's sabotage was all Steve for me, but it wasn't Yoka, which is why I don't think Yoka is the mole at the moment. You know what would have been great is if, because Pascal said that she's really good with uh, with aiming with targets, because that's why she was in the helicopters, that supposedly from hundreds of feet up in the air, she was going to be able to hit Yoker with a paintball gun. And it was windy up that day too, it was really windy. You say saying. that, but there have been other games in Dutch Mole especially, where people are in helicopters doing the laser game, and shooting people from that high up. Oh, and they're able to hit the target? Yeah. There is, in the South Africa season, I think it is, the Final Four exemption was given out using a, a laser game and someone being in a helicopter sniping people. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. So there is precedent for this. And another Dutch Mole connection that I do have to make is that there was a hidden challenge in the Oregon season last year, 2017, where two people got the option to make their own yokers by branding them they got a a mole branding iron oh in the oregon trail theme season so um there is precedent that's very random and also interesting hmm. that those things could come together <laughs> yeah it's the first thing i thought of when i saw the branding iron was oh they've done this in dutch mole before sort of although they had to um to do it when everyone was camping out and basically sneak around and do it and get four yokers between them. I even wrote down just how slow the horse team was. I wrote down in my notes that the horses are slow as fuck. <laughs> it was like they were riding Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Just no motivation to move fast whatsoever. That's why I'm not exactly removing Steve from my list, because I think he was the driving force behind the speed of those horses. The result is me. <laughs> yeah, someone was sabotaging on that team. And I think it was more of a subtle sabotage than what the pickup truck team were doing. Maybe the pickup truck team was really just trying to screw with each other as much as possible. Yeah. So the horses reach the blanks in El Varel, and Chani does spot Yoka from the helicopter. And then we get a wonderful image of the horses freaking out on Peter. <laughs> and they really yes. freak out on him. <laughs> We've got them still... <laughs> They're perfectly stable, guys. The only problem is, in about 0.2 seconds after I say that, I'm going to be dragged halfway across the desert through the cacti that Kelly collided with last episode, and I'll probably cross over the border into Guatemala by the time this, this challenge is over. The best thing about it is the fact that there was Mexican cowboys right next to him doing nothing to stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just didn't care. Just a, it's just a nice Sunday stroll for them. And Jeffrey says that he wants to shoot Yoko without any money being banked because it just stops her getting any advantage. And then we see quite a lot of Steve struggling with the Munson burner. He does not know how to use one. Munson burners are tough. We have to use the strike rep first, and then then it's just a lot of patience. And a challenge like this, um, I think, was designed for about eight impatient people. <laughs> And then the helicopter has to go to the Hacienda because it only has three minutes of fuel left. And the truck pulls up and Lloyd and Yoka negotiate. But then Katrina ruins everything by telling the other teams that they found her and Lloyd shoots her point blank. And it's fair to say Yoka is a bit peeved. 
This is the biggest fight we've seen in a while. Yeah, this is another reason I don't think Yoka is the mole, is that she reacted really genuinely and really angrily. I don't think you can put that on. We have seen some moles, though, pull off the fake uh, angry fight, though, early on in the season. Yeah, but she was really angry. Yeah, she even had apologized afterwards for how far she went. It's someone who genuinely wanted to get a bunch of those yokers, and also if they, if she wasn't going to get the yokers, she at least wanted money to go into the pot. Yeah, I sort of get why she would want it, because it puts her in a power position of being able to hand out up to 20 past Fragen. But is that really the sort of thing you want? Here's the thing, if it was for an exemption, I could understand it, but I wouldn't get that worked up about past Fragen, given that ultimately... If you use them all on one test, you get through one test, but you don't know whether you're right or not. Yeah. You want something that is information. You do not want something that rights your wrongs, because it's not going to really get you any further. Yeah, well, it could, well, somebody who gets executed could be one of your top suspects, though. They could, but that's the only benefit you get from it, because you don't get any more money, for example. It's not like other shows where there's a tiered prize system. You don't get any more money. You don't get any more information unless one of your suspects gets eliminated. That's still enough motivation for a lot of people, though, even in the second round. I think she even she she even owns up to a mistake she made in the negotiating part of it where, I mean, that lie was a fairly weak lie to tell, saying that, oh, you lost it in your sock or it fell out or something, and you only have seven to spread between the three people that just ran into you, and then yourself. It's like, hmm, that's a perfectly um, prime number that doesn't go... So somebody ends up with an extra no matter what, which means everyone else is going to be pissed off with how it's divided, so that there's no way that a group of people would agree to whatever offer you're proposing. Like, if she had eight, she realized, oh, I could have... I bet you if I just offered to give each person two and I keep two they probably would have been okay with me getting to the end of the challenge. Yeah, I don't think anyone really played it too well on this game. They write the ship slightly in the the back half of the episode, but they didn't play it very well, any of them. No. Yeah, I mean, even if Joker, who had the fewest decisions to make, was still screwing part of it up with the negotiation, then it's a bit tough to see who was the most moly on this challenge when everyone is screwing up, except for Chani and uh, Pascal. And I just have one note, which is Peter is unlike any priest I've ever seen in terms of how much he swears. He's a (laughs) very sweary padre. Welcome to Central Europe, Michael. And they do get to spend the night in the Hacienda. Lucky them. And another way that Peter doesn't act like a lot of padres is by how much they all drink that night. I don't know about you, but when I'm here in downtown Vernon, I don't see uh, all the Canadian pastures just just downing shots at my local bar each night. Oh no, that's like a lot of priests. Really? (laughs) Eh, they don't have much better to do. And something else I was watching out for is everyone in their confessionals at the Hacienda had candles. And this has been a clue in an... English language season, I can't remember which one. Mole Yucatan. Was it the Mole Yucatan, where the Mole had one less candle in one of their confessionals? Oh no, this was just um, the candles on the table. 
a, refer, a reference to Angie Everhart's uh, journal number. It might have been in one of the Dutch ones then. There's been a mole clue before where they removed one of the candles as a clue in post-production. Mm-hmm. But the number of candles that were seen just kept flickering over and over again. It kept changing depending on every person. It was so annoying. I'm proper on hint watch right now. I want to find out who it is quickly because I want to win. <laughs> but yeah, Baha was the one with the least candles, if that helps. Okay, Michael. <laughs> You're really turning into Corbin Burnson here. <laughs> You're going to be talking about Hamburger Hills by next episode. I would be terrible at the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you were in Joker's position, I think your meltdown would have been about 10 times worse than Joker's. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to run 10k in Mexico. Sod that. <laughs> I'd be hiding out. You read the cliffhanger, it's like, you know what, guys? Don't bother using any branding irons, just... Just, just shoot me right between the eyes. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeffrey. I'd personally ask Gilles for the uh, the paintball gun myself and just shoot myself in that. Yeah, just put the gun in your mouth and pull the trigger. <laughs> I just blew paintball myself. Suicide by paintball. <laughs> that would really hurt. <laughs> So at breakfast the next morning, they have two choices of the sort of tasks they want to do. They need two people who everyone else blindly trusts, and seven people who'd better be strong. Oh, do you like Joker's arbitrary uh, percentage for how much... Uh, or It wasn't Joker, I think it might have been Katrine who who gave an arbitrary percentage for uh, how understandable it was for the way Joker reacted at the end of the challenge. It's 300%. 300% understandable, Joker. <laughs> Why wasn't it 100 or 150 or 150 to 200 like Ted Rogers Jr. from Survivor? Why 300%? Why is it 300% understandable? Why not 400? Why not more? Why not 796%? Yes. And after their actions in the previous day, of course, the two people you blindly trust are Jeffrey and Kajreen. <laughs> yeah, the two pickup people. I think the reason why everyone else selected for them to be in that role is because I think a lot of people were suspicious of them after the challenge. I mean, you had not only just Joker cursing at them, Baha and Peter both were annoyed with the uh, with the whole pickup team. Um, I like how Joker said, um, "I could see Lloyd was a bit more forgiving with the I could see the rage in his eyes from." Uh, Jeff firing the gun, and then Jeff jumps in and says, Lloyd is wearing sunglasses. How can you read his eyes? None of us can see his eyes right now in the sun. <laughs> I lie with my eyes. I lie with, yes. Lloyd is mole-proven. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Lloyd. Lloyd's wearing sunglasses. How can you get a read on him, Joker? It's like he's like a poker player. On that subject, I, I remembered how terrible that clue was. From um, from US Five, are you aware of the the scandal of I lie with my eyes? That was like one of the clues on the website before the season started, and Craig was the only one that wore glasses in the cast. Not just that; it was the poster to advertise the season. Mm. It was the one bit of preseason material they released was a poster with everyone on it saying "I lie with my eyes," and Craig was the only person wearing glasses. And who ended up being them all? Nobody yeah. missed that clue. <laughs> and as the people that everyone blindly trust, Jeffrey and Katrine, 
must immediately put their blindfolds on, and the rest of them get time to practice baseball using the balls and bats given in the other side of the room. And Jeffrey and Katrine can earn 3,000 euros by answering three questions after they go on a tour of the city of Guanajuato. And they must first find their guide, Salvador, at the cathedral by asking for help from locals to get the funicular down, which is a hilarious image. Jeff ran into everything in this challenge, every obstacle possible. Even when Salvador thought he was in the clear, he bumped into poles. He was bumping into random backpacks that were hanging off of market stalls. He was running into walls. When that woman who was leading them down to the funicular, uh, she's like, oh, and your first step is now. Oh, you've already tripped, Jeff. I must say, though, I think after all the times that Jeff tripped, that he probably would have preferred having cholera or the plague rather than being blindfolded and running into everything. I think it was because he had the chest as well, so his arms were a bit wider than normal. Oh, I see. So he he wasn't aware of his own wideness, for want of a better word. (laughs) And... As they are blindly trusted, they get custody of everyone, including Kelly's mole books, for the day in a chest. And if they take their blindfolds off and read the books, they earn no money, no matter how they do in their quiz. This would have been such a mean-spirited sabotage, so even if Jeff or uh, Katrina are the mole, that it, there's no real way that they would look in there. They would, it would, You would sabotage a lot of money, but be erased off of everyone's sus- suspect list in the process. Yeah, there is not a chance in hell, if you are the mole, you go anywhere near those mole books. Not just because you don't need to, but also, it's a way too high-risk sabotage. Unless you can convince the other person to do it as well, there's no benefit to you. Yeah, but even then, it's like such a... You only have one person to really try and deflect it off of. There's not going to be, like, mass confusion or chaos, like with the walkie-talkies and the pickup trucks and horses. It's all going to be square. You're going to be in the spotlight in that moment. Yeah. And the other seven must play baseball against a team of children. And two of them, in this case Chani and Steve, must answer questions for 100 euros apiece. But to earn questions, the other five have to hit baseballs. They must run between the bases, searching a ball pit, playing operation, and operating a table maze to earn the balls, which can be exchanged for questions. And if they score a home run, they don't need to stop and can earn 300 euros immediately. I want to meet the person who designed that challenge, because that's so many like unusual things combined into a baseball game. I love it. And why is Belgian Mole obsessed with electrocuting people? <laughs> I don't know. That's two seasons in a row now. Yeah, they had the dictionary challenge last year, and now this one. I never thought that electrocution would be associated with uh, language dictionary books, and then this year that may be topped by having electrocution combined with uh, baseball. (laughs) And interestingly, when I was in Sweden, because it was so cold, we ended up having to stay in and watch TV in the evenings. We ended up accidentally watching Swedish Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader. That is a weird show. Like, I I don't know what the story is with the Swedish version, but it's weird. They just electrocute the kids? No, like, the the host has, like, five different colours in her hair. Oh, she's like the NBC logo. Yeah, it's just weird. And apparently she's only an interim host because the original host got caught in a sex scandal or something. When I tried to Google Translate the news article about it, it just came up with the word blowjob. 
trying to explain that on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? My God. Yeah. There's just something weird about Swedish Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Or Are You Smarter Than a Ten Year Old, as we call it over here? I must say, though, seeing that baseball field and just the backdrop for it and that whole, villa, and that whole uh, town makes me really want to go to Guanajuato. It did look like a very pretty place. Yeah, like the outfield is just those old uh, buildings and the hillside. That'd be like my dream place to go to to play baseball. Are you going to Mexico? Not this time, no. I really want to do, I might do a Mexico trip later on this year, though. Because it's, it's really cheap to go to uh, a couple of the regions in uh, Mexico from uh, Canada. We have, well, there's even a direct flight to uh, the Yucatan Peninsula right from Kelowna Airport. You could uh, do a, a mole Yucatan pilgrimage. Yeah, then I connect back through Mexico City and do all the locations from this season, and then come back. That actually would be a pretty good trip. Why did the mole never actually reach Canada? Out of interest. Because we have no money to produce anything. Yeah, but even Australia manages to do it in their own country. I know that with the reason why the States does really well with producing all the reality shows, other than being the center of entertainment, is that they get a lot of tax breaks and stuff from the various uh, states in the country. With Canada, I don't think we put as much funding into our TV and film industry as much as a lot of the other countries do, and that's why you see a place like Australia be able to do their own versions of the mole, do their own versions of Amazing Race, where they get to travel internationally and do their own crazy over-the-top version of Survivor and their versions of Big Brother. While with Canada, we barely brought back Big Brother for a sixth season, and it's been really small scale this year. Amazing Race Canada, well, that horse has been beaten to death, but... uh Funding on that is really low, and we have nothing else. And I think it's just because we don't put funding into our own uh, TV programs. Nothing really gets a chance to thrive. Yes, quote a series of unfortunate events. What can be beat? A dead horse. <laughs> and Baha does get the first three balls, but only one question is answered correctly by Chani and Steve. And this is a recurring theme. This is where I think the sabotages happen. Was it Lloyd who said that he was convinced that the mole had to be not just answering the questions, but in the as one of the players on the baseball field, I think is what Lloyd said. Yeah, one of the baseballers is what I have written down for Lloyd's suspicions this time. But yeah, Steve was getting a lot of questions wrong, including basic biology questions. Yeah, there was a one question they asked that I'm thinking, that seems really easy and just, I was surprised they... Uh, they screwed up on it. Oh, there was one about the stars on the EU flag. Chani had the right answer. Steve proposed one that was way off. They went with Steve's answer, and of course they lost the they lost the question. They got the question wrong. Yeah, the the correct answer to that one was there's twelve stars because that's how many countries originally joined the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve said twenty eight, which is how many were part of the EU, including us officially. Mm-hmm. If Chani is trying to correct you on current events and the political landscape in your region of the world, that's saying something. You can blatantly see, even if you just imagine the EU flag, there's not going to be 28 around in the circle, because that would then look similar to how busy the American flag looks. Yeah. 
even if you're not 100%, 12 is probably a better guess. But that is 100% Steve Moling. There is not a chance in hell he doesn't know that. You think you can just throw the odd question here and there, and it does it does add up after a while. Yeah, they got half of the questions right. Out of 40 questions, they got 20 correct. They could have had a total of 6,000 euros, and they got less than half of that. And the people on the baseball field, they messed up quite a few times where they would get a really weak hit and then everyone would just start running automatically, even though it was in everyone's best interest to just not move. Because they missed, they lost a lot of, they still missed out on a third of the balls. I think there was 60 total, right? Yeah. I, I do like at the very end with the called, called uh, shot, though, by uh, Peter. Yeah, Peter does the cold shot with the very last ball and gets the home run. <laughs> it's like, you're not Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth isn't uh, Flemish. They didn't miss 20 balls. They missed more than that because they could have had a total of 180 of the red balls and 180 of the questions put to Peter and Chani. And they only got 40. That's really bad. That's probably why Lloyd suspects it's one of the people that played baseball. Because you didn't have to really... You didn't have to get that big of a hit on it. You just had to move everyone a base each time. Yeah, it was certainly doable, assuming no one was mauling. Of course, I don't know if anybody in Belgium really plays baseball that much. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess because it's that part of Europe. It's a pretty big no uh, for that question. But uh, yeah, I was just surprised how many people would swing at the ball and then just completely strike out. I'm trying to think what the Belgian national sport is. It's gotta be soccer, right? They're always in. A- World Cup. They are very good at football, yeah. But I guess each country always, even like Argentina, they have uh, basketball as their number two sport. Yeah, football is the um, the national sport of Belgium. So, for their questions, Katrine and Jeffrey must identify menudo, which is a soup made out of the lining of cow stomachs, and work out whether they accidentally got married, lost the mole books, or kissed some strangers, and then pick out their tour guide from an identity parade. Can we just appreciate Salvador for a moment? He's just eating menudo, and he's like, oh, I happen to get some in my mustache. That mustache just catches everything, catches every crumb. He's That guy never misses a bite from any of his meals. And I like how it's like the stereotypical Mexican mustache, too, which made it even more awesome. I just love how even we weren't really sure whether they accidentally got married. <laughs> Luckily, I listened to... Um, because I know a fair bit of uh, Spanish, and I was listening to what the Padre was saying, and it was similar to the wedding lingo, but uh, uh, luckily I almost got a direct translation of it in my head. I'm like, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he married them. <laughs> I was reasonably confident they weren't married, but I wasn't a hundred percent. Luckily, I've done enough Spanish lessons where I'm like, ambos todos, uh, no, 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 they're not married. I mean, as soon as the the question of whether they kissed strangers came up, I sort of knew that that was correct, given we didn't see them kiss each other. Yeah, that one I'm like, yeah, that had to be the one that they would just be able to get away with as a joke. And they figured out, too, maybe they realized that some the other person smelled different in that moment than what they've been uh, accustomed to all day. Maybe the person they kissed didn't uh, reek of menudo. In a good moment from Jeffrey, he, his first response was, I've got some answering to do when I get home. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I I kissed somebody else, but don't worry, I only did it for money. <laughs> that's that's what the people I meet downtown always say on a Saturday night. 
I only made out with that person for money. It had nothing to do with any romantic feelings whatsoever. Yeah, you can imagine the um, the conversations that they get home. How was doing them all? Yeah, um, I've got something to admit. I may have kissed a stranger. Yeah, and then in episode three, we had to uh, have uh, sex with somebody else while blindfolded too, because that's that was just a story. There was just a story of a two people having sex in this alley in this small village in Mexico when one person died, and ever since then, everyone has sex in this in this alley. So Salvador told me to do it. I'm going to listen to Salvador. The season was sponsored by Fifty Shades of Grey. All right. Yeah. We had a safe word. <laughs> More like Fifty Shades of Salvador's Grey Mustache. It was pineapple. Yeah, it's a safe word. I thought the safe word is lime juice in this situation. No, the, uh, the safe word was tequila. <laughs> or menudo. So to test that neither of them did check the mole books, the cloth that Gilles put over the box had black light paint on it, and he tests her hands, and neither of them have any paint on them. So they earn the 3,000 euros. Yep, Katrine, both of them definitely redeemed themselves in this uh, situation. Yeah, the the pot is actually on quite a lot of money. Makes you think they're about to lose a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, it's about as much as the Dutch one ended at four times the episode length. I think this year of Dutch Mall was a bit more of an exception, because they did not do well this season with uh, achieving uh, tasks. Having watched recent mole seasons, no it isn't. It was that bad in the Oregon season, they had to have a final challenge where um, one person would earn the chance to double the pot if they were the winner. Oh, really? Yeah. I just want to point out one thing, that I was pleased to see the Atomium come up in the baseball challenge. I didn't know it had nine spheres, nor did I know that it was common knowledge for Belgian people to know it had nine spheres. The reason that that will be common knowledge is because if you know what what element it is that is enlarged, you'll know how many spheres there should be. Right. You can work it out scientifically. But I did think that as well. So, it is time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and the actions of the mole. Whoever knows the least is out of the game, apart from the mole, who never goes home. And Lloyd's suspicion is one of the baseballers. Jeffrey suspects Peter. Peter suspects Steve. Steve suspects Baha. Baha suspects Pascal. Chani's isn't shown. Yoko suspects Jeffrey and Katrine. Pascal is spread between three people. And Katrine's also wasn't shown. Who does Salvador suspect? Salvador suspects Gilles da Costa. <laughs> he knows the true mole is Gilles. I felt so bad for Salvador because... Just randomly, in between the conversations, Jeff and uh, Katrine would start speaking in Dutch, and then he just sits there awkwardly with nothing to really add. I let, Oh, he did the really funny uh, face twitches when he's trying to look at each person, thinking that, oh, maybe they're about to speak English now. And it's like, nope, they're just speaking uh, more Flemish. Screw you, Salvador. Yeah. There's one, one other Salvador note I had on. Oh, when... Uh, Katrine asks, "Oh, can we can we touch can we t-, when they are told to identify which one is Salvador?" And she asks, "Oh, can we touch them?" And Jill said, "Well, you can touch them. Just uh, be what were his exact words? Within reason. <laughs> within reason. Yeah. If she didn't t- want to touch them within reason, it's like 
what kind of con? How did how did Salvador lead you around blindfolded? Today is what I want to know. I know I said last week that Gilles de Costa is probably my favorite mole host, and it's slightly embarrassing that I think he may have listened last week, but I'm backing it up. He is very, very good at that sort of stuff. Yeah. He did not miss a beat when Katrine asked that question. He immediately knew what his answer was going to be, and that's fun. It's like, I thought they were just going to go by the smell of the mustache. So, Yoka, Steve, Pascal, Lloyd, and Jeffrey all get green screens before Chani gets the dreaded red screen. Poor Chani. She wasn't really uh, showcased that much this episode at all. Very low-key after... Uh, she she was in a lot of it in episode one, where she was seemed very suspicious, and then this episode, she wasn't really part of any of the sabotages. She She pretty much played as perfect of a game as she could uh, for this round, and yeah, sure enough, she gets executed. Interestingly, this is the second week on the trot where we haven't known the executed person's suspicion, which makes me think those mole books are not going away. We have zero information about who Kelly or Chani suspects. Yeah, the only thing that Chani said is that she took a risk and went more towards one person, I guess. Which is a terrible idea on the second quiz. Very terrible idea with nine people. Yeah, you definitely want to guarantee. You definitely want to play it safe. So next time there are cars, ponchos, piñatas, sombreros, tequila, and the mole gets an advantage at the execution. And of course, the one question I hope they answer, hopefully by the finale when all the contestants are reunited, is. With Channing and Baja working so close together in the first episode, what I want to know is, does Chani want to Chani all over Baja's Tatum? That's all I want to know. Bit forced. <laughs> well, I have to. That has to be your. That has to be the exit song. We need that clip pulled from Jimmy Kimmel. And for those of you who don't know, there was a very popular Jimmy Kimmel song with Jamie Foxx and. Channing Tatum and Miley Cyrus, I think, appears in it too, where they sing about how uh, all the women want uh, Channing all over, all over his Tatum, all over Channing's Tatum. And here with Channing, we don't know if she wanted to Channing all over Baja's Tatum. We'll never know. That's why. That's why it's bad to see her leave uh, this early. So, who do you suspect is getting the red screen next week? Who do I suspect is getting the red screen? The mole gets to know who's eliminated. I'm curious to see how that, uh, what people are going to try and look for there. The mole gets to know, which means the mole may be able, able to veto it. Oh. I think the mole might get to, you know how we we had the Bertrand non-elimination last time. I think it might be one of those situations where the mole can choose whether it actually is that person or whether it's the next person in line. Wouldn't that be a bit too much that like that would go against the integrity of the show a bit because the mole essentially works with the producers? Yeah, but I can't see any other reason why the mole would get to know who's going. My thinking is that it has something to do with everyone being able to gauge everyone else's reactions as to each name that comes up. Where you get to see uh, how relieved somebody is or they're able to review the footage somehow. I'm not sure. There's, there's going to be some sort of twist. But yeah, who who do you think is going? Who do I think is going? Um, damn it, I don't know with this uh, group. I want to say Pascal might be going. I've got my eye on Jeffrey. 
I think he's got one of those arcs where he goes quite early. Kind of like Bertrand, where it's like, oh, this guy is kind of annoying me, and then it's like, oh, he's done by round four. Thank goodness. Jeffrey did get a really, he did get, what, almost no airtime in the first episode, and then here in the second episode, he's just, I mean, his edit could have been much worse if he had looked inside the diaries, but it's still, it's still the worst edit, probably, of any contestants that's still left. And then I assume Steve's still at the top of your suspect list? He certainly is. It's Steve and Katrine. Yeah, I have Katrine pretty much at the top of mine right now, and I can't remember who I... Who did I say last week was in my suspect list? Uh, I can't actually remember. I know I had Chani in there. So, uh, the suspect list emails you who you said, so you can check that. Yeah, I want to say I had like Katrine in there, and then... Uh, I th- Oh, I had Yoker. Yoker in there last week too, but Yoker's probably gone way down in my suspect list. Yeah, I'll throw a few points onto Yoka, but I'm not going to throw many on this time. I think Lloyd and Katrina are probably my top two suspects right now, with Peter as some sort of random guy in there. So, I think we're about done. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this Belgian Mole podcast. We'll be back next week for more mole hunting. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, Log Super Quacky for Logan. And we will see you next week. Best of Brendan. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Or our flavoring. Show, showloza. I want a Channing all over your Tatum.